welcome to Dads with Daughters. In this show, we spotlight dads, resources, and more to help you be the best dad you can be. Welcome back to the Dads with Daughters podcast, where we bring you guests to be active participants in your daughters' lives, raising them to be strong, independent women. Thank you so much for being back with me again this week. It's so exciting to be able to talk with you every week, to be able to go on this journey with you as you are raising your daughters. And knowing that every one of our journeys is so different from one another. And that's important because the way that I father my daughters is going to be different than the way that you raise your daughters. But we can learn from each other. We can learn from each other in the journey that that we each go through to be able to take pieces, learn from pieces, and be able to adjust the way that we father along the way. And, and that is important because you don't have to go it alone. I've said that before and I'll say it again because so often in our society today, men are raised to think that they have to be these supermen and you don't have to be. You do not have to be. So many other dads have come before you. So many other dads will come after you. But we can all work together to be able to build that manual of how to raise awesome kids along the way. And that's why every week I love talking to different dads about their own journeys because of the fact that every one of our journeys is so different. And today we got another great guest. Carlo LaMonica is with us today. And Carlo and I have known each other for a while. And I have followed his journey as a father, and he's had definitely some ups and downs along the way. We're going to talk about some of those today, and we're going to learn from his own journey. So, Carlo, thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure having you here today. I love being able to talk to dads, and and it's important. And one of the things that I always love doing first is to kind of go back in time. And I know you have two daughters yourself. You have Gianna and Gabby, and both of them are still young, but they are, I know they're keeping you on your toes. So I want to turn the clock back in time and go back to that first moment, that first reaction that you had when you first found out that you're going to be a dad to a daughter. What was going through your head? I was scared, but I was very, very happy. I've wanted to be a father Mm -hmm. for a long, long time. And, you know, especially with Gianna, when she was born, I was the happiest man on the planet, I think. Uh, I had several ladies stop me in the store, and they said, we could tell you're a new dad. You just are gleaming with joy. And and that's still the case. I'm, I'm so happy. I, I love my kids very much. Now, I know that not only being a father, you are a busy guy. You've got a lot of things that, that you do professionally as well to be able to ba- balance all of that has to be a little bit of a challenge. So how do you balance work and raising your daughters? I personally, I I put my family first. So I'm a sole practitioner. I have my own small law practice and I work as much as I can, but if my family needs me, I'm there. I was given some very wise advice when I was a, a younger lawyer that another attorney had told me, remember quality of life and balance your family life if you want to have a family. And I've stayed true to that. I work hard and then I give my, my family as much time as they need as well. It's difficult, 
But, you know, being a, a sole practitioner has its pros and cons. And one of the pros is I control my calendar 100%. Definitely having that flexibility has to be helpful in being able to do that. And, and I agree with you completely that I, as a dad, have always done whatever I had to do to be able to be present, be present and engaged in the lives of my daughters. And I think that that's so important because you can never get that time back. And being able to be there through whatever is going on is so important, whether it's, you know, high points, low points, or anything in between. Now, I talk to a lot of dads, and especially dads with daughters, at times tell me that there's some fear going into raising daughters. What would you say was your biggest fear in raising daughters in today's society? Probably, uh teenage years when they start expressing themselves a bit more and I'm not there yet. So that was my biggest fear in the beginning. So that has changed a bit in recent times. But in the beginning, my biggest fear was definitely when they started to express themselves in their individuality more and how that would work out between us. Now, there's a number of other questions that I typically ask at the very beginning, but I'm going to pivot because you you kind of opened the door for me to ask the next question, which is you kind of said that at first you were concerned about the teenage years and I'm in the thick of those and it is challenging. It's just, it's different. But if you have, I will give you this piece of advice that if you set a solid foundation of communication from the very beginning and early years, it really helps in the teenage years. So just work on that. Absolutely. That's what we're trying to do. Start it off early. So you said things have changed. And I know that over the past few years here, you've had some some challenging times in your family. And your daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and she's been fighting a, a good fight to move through that cancer diagnosis. Let's go back to the beginning of that and talk to me about how did you first identify that something was wrong? I'm going to do my best not to get super emotional here. I got a call from the daycare one afternoon. I was at my office and the daycare had said that Gianna had a hard stomach and had been complaining of pain. And we thought it was constipation. We took her to the pediatrician who thought it was constipation, but wanted to rule out an obstruction. And so they had us take her for an x-ray. The x-ray showed something abnormal. So they sent us for an ultrasound. And then the following day, we were called and told to take her to the main medical facility in Danville, Pennsylvania, to the ER. And it just kind of went from, we thought our daughter had constipation to a snowball rolling down the hill. And it was life crumbling before our eyes. It just went from there. They called in oncology at the ER. They said, we're going to try and rule out cancer. I was personally in denial. I was trying to calm down my wife saying, you know, it could be anything. It could be a calcium deposit. But uh, I think I knew at that time that something was super wrong at the time. And a few days later, I call it D-Day for diagnosis day on October 28th, 2021. It was officially confirmed that my daughter had stage four hepatoblastoma, which is a very rare childhood liver cancer. So hearing that word of stage four has to be a not only awe-inspiring, but completely devastating thing to hear. And for you as a father, t- 
talk to me about the what you had to go through to be able to reconcile that for yourself, to be able to be there for your daughter in what she was going to be going through. It was a lot in the beginning. I can say that it was, if I look back now, it was as if my brain was functioning but not processing for the first couple of days. But I knew I had to keep pushing forward and we had to make a lot of decisions quickly. And so I knew I had to pull up whatever strength I had to help my my wife make those decisions because she was she was in a complete state of shock and and as was I but I was able to function somewhat and we got her quickly quickly started on treatment and it took a while for to process everything to fully digest what was what just happened I mean we were just on vacation with our family and came back and a couple days later it life just changed completely. So your life is changing and you're having to, I'm sure, try to wrap your mind around everything that the doctors are telling you. How do you reconcile that? How do you change the way you look at this from a, I'll be blunt, something that probably at first thing seems like a death sentence to something of, we need to be able to look forward, look for hope in those daily moments, look for hope in what the doctors are saying. How do you move toward that? So you were correct in your verbiage there. In fact, we used that verbiage uh, in the beginning to feel like when we started signing documents to get her started, we told, you know, I remember my wife saying to me, you know, I feel like I just signed her death warrant. And you know, I personally started reading everything I could, and that's a that's a good and a bad thing because the world we live in today, information is out there, both good and bad. And when you start researching specific types of cancer, you are going to get both the good and the bad. I think I had to personally focus on the fact that A, they caught it, and B, that there was at least a clinical trial that was going on that she can be put in. And then just, I fell back on my faith and just really prayed hard that we, you know, we're making the right decision, A, to put our child through chemotherapy and possible radiation and a major surgery. But, uh, you know, every day, living day by day. And I know there's a lot of people who say that they live in the moment, they live day by day. But when you're the parent of a pediatric cancer patient, it is your life for a very long time to not know if today you're going to the hospital to always have a go bag packed just in case you have to leave work and take your daughter to the hospital for any reason, for a fever, for her platelets are low, she fell. It's life changed completely for us, and we really just had to live. We could not no longer make any long-term plans. And as far as reconciling it all, it took some time. I, I don't know how it happened. It just happened with you know, time. In the beginning, it was super hard to reconcile it. We We... 
we were totally thrown a curveball and we didn't know how to handle it. And we just kind of learned along the way. Now, through the learning that you had to go through, I'm sure that as a father, you had to help your daughter. You had to be there for her. You had to help her understand what was going on. What did you have to do to be able to be not only present, but also be there for her, for what she needed in this journey that she's been on? So there, there's two sides of that, always always being present for her. I always made myself available, you know, to take her to appointments uh, when she needed them. My wife and I kind of rotated that. But there were some hard things I had to do to help her get through the treatment. Early on in the treatment, she developed some mouth sores and she stopped eating, which uh, she had what, what they call low counts, which means she couldn't fight off any bacteria. And she was put on what's called a neutropenic diet. And the doctor came into me one day and I was at the hospital with her and said, if she doesn't start eating today, he's going to tuber. And I had to do some hard things. I had to put applesauce in a syringe and try and basically force feed my daughter. I put everything that I thought she would like to eat in front of her. And eventually, through a painful day, I got her to eat enough that she never had to have an NG tube, which is quite impressive with children who go through her type of treatment. I've had to hold her down while she's screaming at me, Papa, Papa, what did I do? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What did I do? While they're accessing and deaccessing her port. But I know I would rather her be mad. And and I think she would be more comfortable with me holding her down than all these strangers that she's had to deal with. So I think the hardest the hard part of being there for her was having to do things that I never imagined I would have to do to my daughter, which, you know, it, it hurt me a lot to have to physically hold her down or force feed her and do things like that. Now, I know that back last fall, Gianna had her her last chemo that she that you posted in Facebook and and shared that broadly. So you've gotten past that hurdle. But cancer is not something that just goes away and I'm I know that that's the case and there's always that chance of remission and and or coming back and so where are you at now as you look at the future? So with her treatment, she is officially as of a couple weeks ago in what the doctors call remission, which means there's no evidence of disease in her body. As you said, there is always a chance of recurrence, and she will have to do monitoring throughout the rest of her life. Hopefully, if there's ever a recurrence, they can catch it quickly and get rid of it. In fact, today is a a very special day. She's going in this afternoon to have her metaport pulled from her chest, which is the port that's been in her chest to access her for chemotherapy. So they are interventional radiology. We'll be pulling that tube out today. And that that's a very big thing because that you know officially treatment is over when they pull that port. So as she looks forward and you look forward into the future, getting past this point, getting the port taken out, I'm sure that that opens up opportunities for her now that haven't been available to her in the past. Tell us more about 
Gianna and who Gianna is and what she loves to do and what this is going to let her do now that this is now the reality. Gianna is one happy child. She loves Peppa Pig and she goes around the house telling everybody she's Peppa Pig and then she honk honks and she calls her little sister George which it is what it is, but uh, she's just happy and goofy. And one of the things that we had to do immediately upon her starting treatment was her and her sister had to be removed from daycare. And one of the things that we just did recently, because Gianna is now four and next fall, she will be eligible for preschool. We looked at preschools for Gianna and, you know, we didn't know if, you know, in the beginning we had having some sort of thought of the future was sort of impossible for a while. We couldn't look that far ahead. So now as we're kind of getting through, I guess, one tunnel, there's a light now. We we are starting to look forward to her getting back to a normal childhood. There are no restrictions. We're just kind of waiting right now for her blood work to get back to normal because chemotherapy does a lot of damage to the inside of your body. And so even though she received her last round of chemo a little while ago, a couple months ago, her body, her inside of her body is still healing. And, uh, and once it's getting back to the normal levels, uh, the doctors will allow us to put her back into school and she can socialize with other kids. I mean, her, it's great that her and her sister have are now best, best friends because They've been together for quite a long time now at the house. I think they would both thrive in getting to know some other children and exploring the world a little bit more. Tell me a little bit about the experience inside the hospital as well, because I know you said it's going to be good for them to be able to be in a daycare situation, to meet other kids. I'm sure for Gianna, being in the hospital, especially still during a lot of COVID, There's a lot of restrictions in such, but were there opportunities for her to make connections with other kids that were in the hospital or was it very much shut down and very isolating for her at the time? Yeah, it's very isolating. Even still today, they they just opened the toy room back up, but it's a one-on-one with one of the life care managers and the child. They don't get, the children don't get to interact with one another. Obviously, some of the, all of the children there have chronic illnesses, so it's a super sensitive area. So COVID just shut down everything. There's been toy rooms that have been shut down for years. Every now and again, the kids would wave through each other's glass windows in their rooms as, as they walk around the, the ward, the hallway. It's kind of like a circle, and sometimes they'll leave their room to take a walk, and they'll wave to each other, but it's still very much masks. They stay in their rooms. It's very isolated, you know, and they they don't go anywhere. So the hospital environment, it's pretty restricted still today. So I can definitely see why it would be exciting for you as a father, but also for Gianna to be able to connect with other kids and be able to be in, in an environment that would allow for her to be able to make those connections outside of her sister to be able to make those friendships because especially being at the age that she is 
that's an important time. And it's an important opportunity for her to be able to make those critical connections that are going to help her as she goes through school herself. Yeah, I I think when she does have the opportunity to meet other kids, she just loves it. And she she especially loves kids that's one or two years older than her. She looks up to them. I think she's just going to do really well once she gets back into an environment where she can hang around other kids. And I, I'm super looking forward to that. Now, I always finish our interviews with what I like to call our fatherhood five, where I ask you five more questions to delve deeper into you as a dad. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> One word. What is fatherhood? Scary. When was a time that you finally felt like you succeeded at being a father to a daughter? I want to say still getting my daughter to love me after doing everything I had to do through her treatment. She still says, I love you, Papa, at night. So I was very nervous that my daughter would hate me after doing some of the things I had to do. Now, if I was to ask your kids, how would they describe you as a dad? They would describe me as the big one. And I guess on the flip side, how do you want them to describe you as they get older? I would want them to describe me as the best example of a man that they've ever had. Now, who inspires you to be a better dad? I guess I would actually say this goes to God. I mean, he to me, I'm, I'm a faithful man and he's the almighty father and I... I judge my fatherhood based on what his example was. So I I would say it would be God himself. And I know you shared your journey today, and you've definitely shared some of the ways in which you, Father, as we finish up today, what's one piece of advice you'd want to give to every dad? Uh, I would say to every dad, just give as much love as you can to your daughters, to your families. If you give 100%, you cannot fail. Even in the darkest of hours, in the darkest of times, and just give it 100% in love. Now, before we finish up today, I know you've gone through a lot and you've experienced a lot. And for some dads, they are looking at similar issues, similar diagnoses, medical concerns for their own kids. For you, I know you said you did a lot of research, but were there places that you turned to, turned to resources that you turned to that you would want to share with other dads that may be looking at similar concerns for their own kids? So there, there are a lot of organizations for parents and, and dads. I think as far as the family is concerned, there's great organizations like Casey Cares and A Kid Again. Everybody knows about Make-A-Wish, but there are some other organizations out there. Casey Cares has been wonderful. They uh, help you do some family outings while your family's going through all this, bring you some joy back. And as far as for the dads themselves, find somebody to talk to. Don't hold it all in. I think one of the things that's helped me is I'm willing to talk about it, even though it's hard sometimes, but find somebody to talk to. And that could be particularly hard for dads because there are a lot of mom groups out there. There are a lot of groups for moms with kids with cancer or this and that, but there are also some dad groups. And I know the dads struggle because it's hard to find those groups that really appreciate the dads that are there helping and and guiding their families through these troubles. 
Well, Carlo, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for being willing to share your story and for sharing Gianna's story. I know that it's not been the easiest journey for you as a dad, for your family as a whole, for Gianna, definitely. And though that was the case, I am so excited to be able to hear of the positive moves in the future, the turn toward the future that is is looking very positive for Gianna. And I look forward to seeing everything that is coming in her future because it sounds bright. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk to you today and to share your story with others. Thank you so much. The Fatherhood Insider is the essential resource for any dad that wants to be the best dad that he can be. We know that no child comes with an instruction manual and most dads are figuring it out as they go along. And the Fatherhood Insider is full of resources and information that will up your game on fatherhood. Through our extensive course library, interactive forum, step-by-step roadmaps, and more, you will engage and learn with experts, but more importantly, dads like you. So check it out at fatheringtogether.org. If you are a father of a daughter and have not yet joined the Dads with Daughters Facebook community, there's a link in the notes today. Dads with Daughters is a program of Fathering Together. Find out more at fatheringtogether.org. We look forward to having you back for another great guest next week, all geared to helping you raise strong, empowered daughters and be the best dad that you can be. We're all in the same boat And it's full of tiny screaming passengers We spend the time We give the lessons We make the meals We buy them presents Bring your A-game Cause those kids are growing fast The time goes by just like a dynamite blast Calling astronauts and firemen Carpenters and muscle men Get out and be the world to them Be the best dad you can be Be the best dad you can be